0: place is nowhere. And it's for either ghost of my life.
1: You are my best friend. What are you looking for? Hard to believe. I found you. Temporarily Unseen. All right. Hey everybody, this is Lost Futures, a Mark Fisher podcast. We're coming at you, and this is Marlowe, And I am Steven, and this week... We're going to talk about gray area. An analysis, review of Chris Petit's content.
0: Yeah. This is a British Film Institute Sight and Sound website article from March of 2010. I don't know if I'd call it a movie. Hmm. (laughs) It's a documentary. I mean, okay, so content is one of those things that you've seen where someone drives around with a camera in the car. Meanders as a voice over the whole thing about his thoughts on modernism and how he thinks that the way we make like coffee in the morning is like slightly faster than it used to be. And then he'll like <laughs> chop in like clips from like other things and sometimes people talking and other interstitial things. And he does a lot of stuff with like QuickTime videos from 2010 and like early. Early day YouTube from back in 2010, that's in there a lot. And it's an hour fucking long, and Mark Fisher's review is three fucking pages. And I could not possibly bring myself to watching this whole thing all the way through I tried a three-page goddamn article. For
1: anybody out there, I, I tried and I fell asleep. I got through a bunch of it. It is very soothing if you're looking for something to fall asleep <sighs> to. It's actually quite pleasant to fall asleep to if you want and uh, and i mean he mentions well, I mean, it he, being yeah ambient. He,
0: he does like literally say he was trying to do ambient but in film so it's even worse <laughs> um, and there's nothing that you people can do to stop me Blah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> um, yeah he does
1: literally say that he was trying to do Like, an ambient movie. He himself has called content a, quote, 21st century road movie ambient. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it was, like, a type
0: of documentary people did in the 90s a lot. 90s, 2000s. Like, the specific thing where you're, like, you have a camera in your car, you're driving, and, like, being, like, oh... I grew up in a town, (laughs) and that's, like, your fucking deep video essay. (laughs) Yeah, anyway, so once more, we're in Stain of Place. So this is much like the last one, very placey. Driving. Yeah, he's driving. driving. Like, that's that's it. Um, He
1: finds himself driving all the time is one of the first lines, and he's just doing a pre smartphone kind
0: of videos mm-hmm. early 2010s well yeah he's
1: got it. he's got a little digital camera and you can see the pixelations which i
0: yeah i mean a lot of it is like it's very technology what about that kind of Um, yeah, like... It's laborious. Yeah, it's very, like... What's he say about email? He says something fucking stupid about email. Ah, yes, there he goes. Reflections on the subject of email. That anonymous yet intimate, ethereal communication. It's not ethereal at all. Emails are impossible to get rid of. If you sent an email in 2004, there's a lawyer who can find it if they need to. (laughs)
1: Like... And then he talks about two collaborators, one of whom we've met before, Ian Penman. Oh, right. Really? He's been in so many of our essays because he's the one that wrote the essay about Tricky back in the day that linked yes. it to Hauntology. Okay. And he also is majorly sourced throughout this book. And he was like the wired <laughs> essay, essayist or yeah. uh, journalist that kind of had a landmark essay that Mark Fisher really, really liked, and the other one is German musician Antje Grey. Yeah, Antje Grey, who does the soundtrack, and a lot of this yeah, focuses I mean, on the soundtrack. Yeah, of this.
0: yeah, it's a lot of. Yeah, this film cannot be described in such a way that would do it justice because it is a multimedia project that involves visual, and audio. Crazy. And the integration of the two, along with this guy's musings. Uh, the other thing is, it's boring as shit, and you won't like it if you did see
1: it. <laughs> Your reaction and the content itself reminds me of The Quiet Man by... Yeah, well,
0: The Quiet Man is a fucking novel, and it's, like, a cogent one. Like, I, I you know, I can make fun of The Quiet Man as, like... Oh, you're right, and I kind of... But it's like a fucking story.
1: I'm linking both of them because I fell asleep to both of them because there are things that you can watch on YouTube that will lull you to sleep (laughs) because it's just a British man talking over, you know, in an ambient, repetitive way about modernism. Quiet Man is like, yeah, he's like walking (laughs) through city streets in, in a world that uh, has been decimated but still going about his days, right, because he's an accountant? Whereas this is just a dude in a car. Okay. Um, I don't know.
0: One of the most gratifying aspects of content is the fact that by contrast with so many contemporary television documentaries which neurotically hectored the audience by incessantly reiterating their core thesis, petite trust in the intelligence and speculative power of the viewer cool. I don't know. Maybe he shouldn't have. Maybe I'm the problem.
1: Where so much television now involves a mutual redundancy of image and voice, the image is slaved into illustrating the text, the voice merely glosses the image. Content is in large part about the spaces between image and text. What is unsaid in and about the images. Yeah,
0: it's a thing that would be shown at a certain exhibit, art exhibition, along with
1: some other things.
0: It's like, there's a place in the world for it, just none of those places are things I care to watch. Um,
1: I'd say a film festival would be the obvious one, but a film festival... 10, 15 no, years ago. they play ago. Kung
0: Fu Panda at a film festival. They'll play anything
1: at a Hey, film Zizek has a whole thing about Kung Fu yeah, Panda.
0: Anyway, he's like driving through like post-industrial southern England and being like um, slightly melancholic. Uh, the chapter is saying that.
1: The um, thing that is another callback to another essay, it, the tricky essay is the quote, if you could only see what I have seen. With yeah. Eyes. Okay.
0: Once again, the British people cannot get over the tears in the rain speech from Blade Runner. They're constantly quoting the tears in well, the rain speech specifically, from Blade Runner.
1: In things associated with Ian Penman, seem to all quote that. The Tricky does yeah. it in his song. If you could see what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a phrase Penman has made much of in his own writing. See on recording, technology, and haunting, and it brings us to the other meaning of correspondence. Content plays with correspondences in the sense of connections and associations. Some of these are underscored by Petit in his dryly poetic text, others he leaves the viewer to make for themselves. To go back to the last one we Mm -hmm. about Junior Boys, it's about correspondence, it's about moving nomadology uh, There's a lot of precarity that comes with communicating through things like email, because it's, you can get it at all places. Yeah. But there's an alienating effect to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, first
1: paragraph, uh, he points
0: out that he noticed the guy was driving through a place called Felix Town.
1: Felix Stowe.
0: Oh, Felix Stowe because it happened to be close to where Mark Fisher was living. But the name Felix does never mention, which Mark Fisher identifies as uncanny. I suppose, you know, once again treating that theme of place and the waywardness of place and the absence of place, but it's a uh, present absence. That's ontology. That's stain of place. It's lost futures. A Mark Fisher podcast.
1: The Germanness. He reflects on the Germanness. Yeah,
0: and it's like kind of, you know, the constant weird tension between Britishness and Europeanness uh, that this film is kind of attempting to transcend a little bit.
1: Yeah, with its references to craftwork and Bowie, and kind of a reimagining of British cinema that could. Assert its Europeanness not by rejecting America, but by confidently absorbing American influences. Yet this future never arrived. Now that's interesting to me because mm-hmm. it's almost a dialectical reversal of what Jameson right yes has about postmodernism where mo- postmodernism is defined by americanness being the influencer not that which is influenced right
0: mm-hmm. well yeah yeah he generally says that yeah he has this concept that like it used to be that americans would look to europe for what high art is versus today american culture being the centralizing thing that validates you uh, if you're a European, like if you have access to American film and American culture, that's the good thing to do.
1: Specifically was Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Because of the ascendance of Hollywood, that being an export that Americans made a lot of right, money. Like,
0: you know, For example, it was... 1800s through, like, really 1920s when you had, like, the asters and, like, that whole fucking culture, like your Gilded Age, Robert baron Victorian America, there was a very uh, common practice of daughters of those families marrying some minor nobility in England for the title. It was, like, a very common thing and the way those rich people tended to conduct themselves was this thing i'm doing is valid because this is how it's done in france
1: i connect it personally with the way in which uh creative writing and poetry kind of
0: or yeah and versus like american blue jeans today or
1: you know. well i was thinking like in the 19th century like romantic american romantic poetry always looked to mm-hmm. english romantic mm-hmm. poetry yeah. to figure out what was okay what the form was what the mm. what the hottest trends were and there was a certain type of oh we need to replicate these trends in order to validate ourselves in this Wider discourse around poetry, whereas that was a symptom of modernism, and certainly, like people like T.S. Eliot, look to British high society for how to conduct ourselves. Well, I mean,
0: anyway, that's what Jameson said. Mark Fisher seems to kind of be saying something different. Well, no, he's
1: saying that 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 future of America being absorbed by Britain and creating its own future without American influence being the central thing never arrived. Well, no, no, I
0: mean, I think what he's kind of saying in this is he's comparing, I mean, specifically British to mainland Europe film is particularly what he's saying. And he's essentially, from my interpretation, saying that British film is marked by a conscious rejection of America, whereas European is marked by an emulation but, like, kind of recontextualization of America. I can't give you examples as
1: to where that
0: actually happens, but that's kind of what I thought he was saying.
1: Yeah, he does say could assert its European-ness not by rejecting America, but by... Oh, oh, uh, or, okay. See, I, that's where yeah, I no, Yeah, no,
0: you're yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I guess I misinterpreted that.
1: Yeah, yeah, like there would be a
0: different British Europeanness that could have existed. Yeah, that... Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I think I was wrong, reading it wrong.
1: Because the idea of the postmodernism is that American cinema... Had to be conformed to in order to make it in the larger, literally the cinematic world. And, right. Uh, and well, that,
0: I mean, here I think, uh, you know, except when you get to high art, in which case there's a defiant rejection. Anti Americanism. America.
1: Because it's mm. associated so heavily with yeah, corporatism. What's popular and stuff. Yeah. Ugh,
0: Americans would never make Salo
1: that's true that that could only be done by the Italians yeah. which is the highest form of art <laughs>
0: yeah it's about fascism Stephen it's about fascism
1: and you know who made that joke someone we don't talk about anymore
0: oh uh, well yeah I mean that's not a joke the movie is about fascism <laughs> it takes place in fascist Italy <laughs> the people who are torturing and raping people are all fascists pretty actually quite clear in
1: what it's saying R- radio on ended with a car stalled on the edge of the future which we didn't know then would be thatcherism you yeah. ahead lay a bizarre yet banal mix of the unprecedented and the archaic instead of accelerating down craftworks autobahn we found ourselves, as Petit puts it in content, reversing into a tomorrow based on a non-existent past. As Gary Newman said, here in my car. Like that band, Cars. Uh, that he says something out in this like content stands as a quiet but emphatic reproach to the British cinema of the last thirty years. I don't know that it does. Which in its dominant variants drab social realism bow gangster picture book costume drama or mid-atlantic middle-class fantasia has retreated from modernity it isn't only the poor and the non-white well
0: this is actually true the british people had a plague of trying to do scorsese in the 2000s Oh, like Guy Ritchie? Yeah, this was a plague upon British cinema in the 2000s, was they were constantly trying to do their own Scorsese. and It which always, it, it, it always we, fucking sucks. <laughs> which goes
1: back to Jameson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, Guy Ritchie kind of fucking ruled. Uh, okay. um, I like Snatch. Yeah, okay. Fine. What about the other one? The one with... Lockstock? Um, Lockstock and... St- Two smoking barrels. That's another good one. I think I've
0: only ever seen the on Web parody of that. No, that
1: fuck that movie fucking rules. Okay. Brad Pitt is a is a. a it, okay, I'm pretty
0: sure you're thinking of Snatch. He's an Irish traveler.
1: No, oh, he's specifically a. Uh, well, yes, he's. A,
0: a, an Irish traveler. Yes, I know he is not a gypsy. He is not a Roma person. He is an Irish traveler. Um, is it some uh, and he is an Irish traveler in the movie Snatch which is what Marlowe said
1: they call him something else though
0: because England has a million slurs for Irish traveler yeah they called him something else I, I'm sure it was like kugel or whatever the fuck and it's probably the rudest thing ever to call someone that. But anyway, he is not a Roma person, he is an Irish Traveler, and that is in the movie Snatch, not Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels.
1: Oh, okay, so they are incorrectly referred to as gypsies. Well, yeah, well, okay. Pikies! Pikes. Pikes. Yes, yes. That's the phrase that I was looking for. Irish Traveler,
0: yes. I mean, that's the other thing, is gypsy is like a somewhat ambiguous word, and also whether or not it's a slur or how certain people feel on it. Um, but anyway, it usually implies Roma. It can sometimes be used... Because he gets to, called
1: a pikey for the entire fucking right, movie. which
0: is specific to Irish Traveler. That's that's what pikey means. See, um,
1: I thought it was specific to Roma. No, he is an Irish Traveler. Alright. Different thing say. entirely.
0: Uh, alright, um... Anyway, point is, as someone who apparently remembers Guy Ritchie more than you, his movies aren't that good, and the British people had a plague of trying to do uh, Scorsese in the 2000s. Scorsese, meanwhile, was making, like, Gangs of New York and, like, casting Daniel Day-Lewis and trying to, like, be a British filmmaker, and he did it great, uh, because he (laughs) has that ability.
1: It isn't only the poor and the non-white who are edited out of Notting Hill, for example... It's the West London's Ballardian flyover, which now stands as a relic of the modern city that London never became. Yet content isn't just a requiem for the lost possibilities of the last 30 years. In its use of stunning but underused locations, the ready made post Fordist science fiction landscapes of Felix Doe Container Port, the eerie Cold War terrain of nearby Orford Ness content demonstrates not only what british cinema overlooks but what it could still be
0: Alright. right and that was well padded by our discussion (laughs) of what
1: ethnicity brad pitt played in which guy Ritchie movie (laughs) all right everybody time for some fucking cards